Welcome to the Totally Pinball Podcast. I am your host, Johnny Pinball. This is Pivotal, Episode 5. How is everyone doing in pinball land? It's the end of the pinball semester. I hope you've done your homework. My semester project was to watch two movies based on pinball machines. I chose Congo and Last Action Hero because both of those movies were free on YouTube. After careful consideration of set design, cinematic shots, special effects, the dialogue, acting, and the theme of the film, I am pleased to report that Last Action Hero gets an A+, and Congo a B-. Amy, good gorilla. But not as good as Last Action Hero. This is one hell of a way to spend Christmas. I can't avenge my partner's death with this pea shooter. I don't want to hear it, Big Bang. That that cannon of yours is against regulations. In this department, we go by the book. By book. All right, so that last one was from The Simpsons. On to the news. Let's pick up where we left off. Stern Pinball. On our last episode, episode four of the Totally Pinball podcast, it was all about the Mandalorian. Since that recording, I've had a chance to play Mandalorian. Let's just say they found a way to take a theme I love and make me not enjoy the game. Now, it's not all doom and gloom. I really enjoy the sound effects on that game. The art looks great by Randy Martinez. The clips on the LCD are perfect. In fact, I really enjoy playing the game at first, but then as time goes on, I'm less interested. There's a lot of wasted space on the playfield or space that is not utilized for fun. Now, my review is based on the pro that I played on location. So the upper playfield where you play on Mando's helmet just isn't as fun as it looks. I thought it'd be like Swords of Fury where you're trying to get the drop targets down. It's actually much different than Swords of Fury. It's a lot harder to get the stand-up targets that you're aiming for. The ball seems to leave the upper playfield, air quotes on that because it's not really an upper playfield, rather quickly. So... Don't have much fun up there, or as much fun as I thought I would. And then on the left side of the upper playfield where the rollovers are, the spell the child lanes, that just doesn't seem to come into play that often. I always plunge for the sneaky skill shot anyway, so I don't even try for the child rollovers on the plunge. I do like the flamethrower where you set the shots on fire for 2x. The Razorcrest ship is pretty nice on the playfield. The Grogu looks fine. There's mods out there to make Grogu move, so check that out if you're interested in that. Otherwise, the game is just pretty standard average stern, uh, nothing that I am excited to play when I walk into an arcade. I just want to add, there's a great mod for the Mandalorian Pro owners out there. It's the uh, Wireform Ramp Return Upgrade mod. The one I was playing on location actually had that mod done, and it made a tremendous difference in being able to see the playfield below the normally plastic ramp returns. So definitely worth the 200 or so dollars that costs if you're a pro owner to upgrade to that. All right, moving on. Stern Pinball's next release is Godzilla. This was announced September 14th. Design Keith Elwin, art Zombie Eddie. This is a game you're going to tell your grandkids where you were when you first saw Godzilla revealed. I had the pleasure of playing a premium at the Midwest Gaming Classic, and boy, it does not disappoint. This game has shots in places you didn't think there could be shots. I'm looking at the playfield and I don't know where to start on this one. Alright, if we start at the flippers, it has two flippers at the bottom, so no three flippers for scissoring. Standard inlane outlanes. Italian bottoms. Thank you, Steve. Only one pop bumper located on the right side. 
about midway up the playfield. I love the single pop. It's a great addition to this layout. Really makes Godzilla unique. Continuing north, you'll find a Mecha Godzilla with a magnet in his belly. There is also a spinner shot there. Um, in practice, this is pretty fun too. You can start Mecha Godzilla multiball pretty easily off that shot. This is omitted in the pro. I believe you just have a spinner shot. Looking due west, we have a upper flipper. Nothing unusual for Keith Elwin design as all his games have had more than two flippers. But what makes this one different is there's a ball path behind the flipper. This ball path takes you across the playfield to the other side behind the pop bumper. As soon as you make that shot, there's going to be one thing that pops into your mind. It's the Matahari shot, except it's not at the top of the playfield. It's about two thirds up. And while your mind is on the older Bally solid states, the pop bumper on the right that's kind of floating there is in a similar location that is found in Viking. Really cool to see Keith Elwin's interpretation of the early solid state design. Some would say this is a complete game because after all, that's all that's in Matahari. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. Godzilla Premium features a fully mechanical motorized collapsing skyscraper bash toy. Wow, a vertical upkinging skyway ramp capable of locking three physical pinballs on the roof. Oh my, a chrome right helix wireform ramp return. Animated breakaway bridge ramp can collapse and drop pinballs onto the playfield or divert balls back to the flipper. Three actual spinners that spin when you hit them. Mechagodzilla motorized rotating three bank of stand-up targets reveals a hidden spinning target and jump ramp. And finally, an industry first magna grab. Godzilla magnetic Newton ball capable of catching pinballs from five different shots and setting up shots to the upper flipper. You might be thinking, how can Stern afford to put all that in a game? My prices are so low, you'll think I've suffered brain damage. No, it's not brain damage, but a price increase. At least it'll give us something to complain about. Godzilla Pros are now $68.99, Premiums $89.99, and Limited Edition for $10,499. No one likes it when prices go up, but can you blame Stern for doing this? They have over a year backlog. Pro price went up $700, the Premium $1,200, and the LE 1300. Not how I would have done it. I would have made Pro 6500, Premium 8500, and LE the same at 10,500. Back to the game. The standout features on the upper third of the playfield are the Magna Grab and the collapsing skyscraper building. The Magna Grab helps you rather than hurts you. Its purpose is to set up a shot or to flick the ball in a random direction, keeping the player on his toes. The skyscraper is used to lock balls, divert balls, and as like a bash toy in a way. It's super fun. So shooting straight up the middle, if the lock is lit, you can lock up to three balls on the roof of the skyscraper. There's a danger shot to the left, which creates a horseshoe. Shoot the left side, it swings right back at you and almost goes straight down the middle. I don't have enough time on Godzilla to explain how the diverters work, but there appears to be three levels where the building can raise and lower, kind of the home position, and then two different diverter levels. If you activate the three ball multiball from the roof, the building will collapse and Blue Oyster Cult Godzilla will play. Starting your three ball multiball. This song is perfect for the game. On its own, I never really liked the song, but you throw pinball with it, it turns it into a fun song. On my first game I played at MGC, the flippers were a little weak or it wasn't level, so I was able to do the loop at the top 13 times in a row. That was pretty fun, but I don't think the game was set up properly. So Keith Ellen has four games now. We got. Maiden, Jurassic Park, Avengers, Godzilla. Out of the four games, I still like Iron Maiden the best. I think my number two is now Godzilla. Number three would be Avengers, and then last place is Jurassic Park, just because I think it's a little bit harder than the other games.
Moving on, I got to play the Jurassic Park home pin. Yeah, did you hear about that one? Designed by Jack Danger, this is a reimagination of the home pin, a follow-up to Star Wars the pin. Price remains unchanged on the home pin at $45.99. So I played a couple games on it. I thought the gameplay was okay. You've got your typical cost-saving uh, features in this game where the slings and pops fire at the same time because it's a home pin. And I'm going to say I wasn't impressed with the quality of the cabinet. Thing felt like a toy. That lockdown bar is pretty bad. So I wouldn't recommend getting that if you're used to playing real pinball machines. The layout was fine. Didn't have any problems with the shots. The main toy that is the T-Rex head found in the premium. So it's actually a little more advanced than the pro version of the game. But other than that, you can tell it's a cost-reduced product. Moving on. So what's next from Stern Pinball? We've had Godzilla for a few months now, and Stern never stops. The rumor mill is a churning with news that the next game, after Godzilla, is going to be Rush Pinball. If this rumor is true, I'm kind of excited for Rush. I hope they incorporate the 2112 album somehow. Maybe that would be the theme of this pin. Stern ended up leaking an image with the side art of the Rush cabinet just barely visible. I think this is pretty safe to say this is John Borg's next game. Expect to see it out in January. I know what you're saying. Johnny, thanks for that rumor. But what's after Rush? I really hate Canadian bands. How about another superhero theme pin? Those never get old. Yes, after Rush, it is rumored that Venom is coming next. This rumor comes from Canada's Pinball Podcast. Canada! Speaking of Canada's Pinball Podcast, he has been upsetting some of his loyal fans by hiding behind a paywall. I can understand where people are coming from. I wouldn't pay for his podcast. I think this cash grab is backfiring on him. He used to average almost 3,000 listens a podcast before the paywall episodes went up. His most recent episode is only sitting at 1,500 listens. Ouch. I'll tell you what, he lost my twippy vote with that paywall stunt. I'm switching my vote to the Totally Pinball Podcast with Johnny Pinball, and so should you. I'd really appreciate it if you could write me in for the nomination. When I started out this podcast back in spring, I had one goal on my mind, to get nominated for a twippy. Let's protest the paywall and vote Totally Pinball for best podcast of 2021. If we work together, I know we can do it. We have it in us. Five for five is not going to happen for Canada. Let's make him four for five by voting Totally Pinball Podcast this Twippy season. Well, we're moving, on up. Moving, on up. moving on up to American Pinball. I bet AP and David Fix are feeling like a million bucks. They just sold out of their next release. Legends of the Hidden Temple. Sadly, it's not that. It's actually... Legends of Valhalla. It's a pretty cool original theme from AP. I had a chance to play this at the Midwest Gaming Classic. Hey y'all, it's Johnny here at MGC. I'm at the American Pinball booth with Legends of Valhalla flipping here. First off, I just want to say the art looks better in person. This game, how shall we say it, looks best from 10 feet away. But you know, when you put your beer goggles on in person, not too bad on the art department. Alright, let's quickly go over the main feature or toy in this game, which is that Viking ship in the upper right of the play field. For some reason, it has a clear top to it, 
with colorful clown LEDs, exactly how Odin would want it. If you can get past the clown puke, this game is actually pretty good. All the shots are butter smooth. I mean, it even has a hammer on the playfield. Not without controversy, AP decided to increase the number of deluxe editions. Yes, that's what they're calling this, the deluxe edition from 300 to 500 after all 300 sold out immediately. Check with your distributor to see if Legends of Valhalla is still available near you. The retail price is $84.95. This is Johnny Pinball, signing out from the Midwest Gaming Classic. Thanks Johnny. A quick correction, Legends of Valhalla is actually $83.95, so you're going to save 100 bucks. Great, Odin's Raven! CGC has a game! Welcome to Cactus Canyon, stranger! Ah, the long three-year wait is finally over. To no one's surprise, Cactus Canyon is the next game from CGC, the Chicago Delaying Company. They threw out the mothballs and showed up just barely to Chicago Expo to show this game. Late to their own seminar, CGC showed up without any information. When asked what the price of the game was, they didn't know. When asked how many limited editions there'd be, they didn't know. When asked how they got here, they also didn't know. Well, whenever I'm confused, I just check my underwear. It holds the answer to all the important questions. Thanks, Grandpa Simpson. All right, I've got the answers to the questions you are asking. How much is it? $92.50 for the LE, $8,000 for the SE. What does SE stand for? Standard Edition? Special Edition? On Cactus Canyon, it's the Special Edition. There is no Standard Edition. How many Limited Editions are there going to be? 1250 and they're already sold out. Aw, oh, sold out? I wish I could get that topper. Guess what? You're in luck. They created a new edition, the SE Plus. For the same price as the limited edition, $92.50, you get the special edition plus the topper. I'm an LE buyer. I feel wronged by the introduction of a new model. Now my limited edition isn't worth $20,000. That's okay, Mr. LE buyer. You still get all the extras. What? And those extras include an additional sculpted minecart and tracks, a gunsling lower arch, a limited edition serial number, a shaker motor, and double the warranty. Oh, and before we forget, powder-coated trim. I still feel wronged. I'm calling my lawyer. Well, hold on there, Mr. LE buyer. You could always cancel your order and get an SE Plus instead. All right, with semantics out of the way, I had a chance to play Cactus Canyon at MGC. Shots were great, theme is good, art is excellent, it definitely has that Williams magic of the 90s. My only complaint is kind of what CGC does on their upper end games is they have the color changing GI. I wish they had a model where you could just get the standard GI lights or a way to turn off the color changing. Makes the, makes the game kind of hard to see in, in low light conditions. The team over at CGC also uh, did a little code enhancement with this game. They finished the match sequence and added the Bionic Bart mode. Also coming out of the uh, presentation was 
a Josh Sharp Lyman Sheets collaboration for an extended or enhanced code set to be released at a different time at an additional cost. As in typical CGC fashion, no word on when that will be finished. Look for Cactus Canyon to start rolling off the line in 2022. I expect to see them in homes by Cinco de Mayo. Let's roll in to Spooky Pinball next. Since our last recording, Spooky has announced and released Ultraman and Halloween Pinball. Both editions are sold out but readily available on the marketplace for a spot in line or a secondhand machine. I had an opportunity to play Ultraman and Halloween at Midwest Gaming Classic. Where to start? Ugh. Well, I'm going to have to say I didn't care for this game. The overall feel of the game and how it was coded and the screen effects, animation type of stuff really was reminiscent of one of something you would see in a homebrew game. My ball times were really long on this. I just ended up giving up and walking away and on ball three because there's people in line and I, w- I had enough of the game already. I think Larry Burns sums it up the best. Whoa, put her back in. She's not done yet. So Halloween Ultraman is trending down. It'll be interesting to see once things shake out in a year or two where Halloween Ultraman ends up on the pinside top 100. It's currently sitting at number 46. We are all you and me. As Jersey Jack Pinball moves into year two of Guns N' Roses production, one must wonder what the future holds for JJP. Since our last recording, JJP has added two new designers to the team, Steve Ritchie, the king, and Mark Seiden, a newcomer to the industry. These additions bring Jersey Jack's design team up to four, along with industry veteran Pat Lawler and Eric Minier. So, four pinball designers for a company that has a track record of releasing a game every two years. Makes you wonder what their plans are for the future. Speaking of the future, the rumored next game after Guns N' Roses is Toy Story by Pat Lawler. It is heavily rumored that this will be Lawler's last game and he will be retiring from JJP. This makes sense to add a relative unknown to their roster with Mark Seiden to replace Pat Lawler. This still leaves JJP with plus one headcount by adding Steve Ritchie. Ritchie is the wild card here. He's coming off his dream theme Led Zeppelin pinball machine, which he has stated publicly his frustrations with Stern while producing that game. I would love to make a Led Zeppelin pinball machine. I could not stand making Led Zeppelin without Stairway to Heaven. I had this nice design for a stairway, and it was cool. And... I wasn't allowed to do it. I'm having fun. One thing that I did not know about Jersey Jack Pinball is that it's different from Stern in that every single person wants the company to succeed together. It's a very interesting thing. You guys create magic. That's true with everyone except programmers. These people are obtuse. No, No, they're from like (laughs) planets that we don't even know about. I still think we need to make Pluto a planet again. (laughs) 
Just because somebody said it wasn't a planet doesn't mean it's not a planet. It's still a planet. Pluto is not a planet. It's not a planet. Hey, it's not a planet. Oh, we veered a little off subject there. Someone's at the door. This is the doorbell. It's the future, so doorbells sing. Someone's at the door. Someone is at the door. Yeah. Oh, who could that be? Gotta go fast. I'm Sonic, a little ball of super energy in an extremely handsome package. On my planet, people were always after my powers. So I came to yours as Sonic Spinball. Ryan McQuaid, the creator of Sonic Spinball, was at Pinball Expo to show off his creation. While I wasn't able to attend Pinball Expo, I've heard nothing but great things about this game. From watching the YouTube videos, what's not to like? It has a great theme, great music, well-integrated toys, and it has a repeatable loop shot. I would say we should help Ryan McQuaid get this game made by voting for it for favorite homebrew on the 2021 Twippies, but since he won last year, he's not eligible to win again. Anyway, I just wanted to say congratulations to Ryan for completing his homebrew. Not many people can say they designed a game. This leads us into the American Pinball American Dream Challenge. David Fix issued a one-year challenge for everyone in the homebrew community. At Expo 2022, American Pinball will select one homebrew game that could potentially make it into production. I'm really excited to see what the community can come up with, but as of now, I'm hoping for Sonic. Nah, I'm so evil. I just want to end the show today talking about Deep Root Pinball. Back in May, I was optimistic that everyone who pre-ordered Raza would get their game. In fact, I was a little jealous that I didn't have a pre-order slot in. As we all know now, Deep Root and Raza turned out to be a giant scam with Robert Mueller most likely getting jail time. He stole $60 million from investors and put the majority of that money towards the Deep Root Pinball division, which produced no games. I wanted to believe in Robert. I thought the idea of the pin bar and a Williams-style game built in the current time would make an excellent combination. His original theme ideas, while Pinside says is unpopular, I was excited for. We haven't seen games from John Papaduke, Barry Osler, and John Norris in decades. It would have been cool to see what they could do with a modern design. But here we are today, four years of hopes and dreams down the drain, millions of dollars scammed from unknowing victims, and we're no closer to recreating the Williams era. My only hope is CGC's original games can capture that magic that was lost at the turn of the millennium. Just want to add one more thing. There was a lot of people saying, well, you should have known that this was a scam the whole time. And if you were in the know, you could see all the red flags. I've been, I've been following Pinball for four years, about when Deep Root first entered the scene. And I was still considering buying the game. So if you got scammed out of the money, don't, don't beat yourself up. As someone who considers himself in the know... I, I would have done the same too if I just had better finances. Check the Raza thread on Pinside if you want the most up-to-date uh, legal proceedings. Dive again. again. Alright, the final manufacturer I want to touch on is Haggis Pinball. Where have they been? They promised Fathom, you know, Fathom 2.0 to be out in July, and here we are, end of December, fast approaching 2022, and not a game has made it out made it out of the factory as far as I'm aware. I thought this was a good idea to remake the classics. I just wasn't a big fan of the price on this one and their kind of reimagining of the coin door I thought looked a little off. So we are treading, trending uh, cautiously optimistic on this, hoping they can get the game 
out next year sometime. I'd like to see Hagas get this game out by Kangaroo Day. That way they can start building some confidence in their brand and then maybe we can see what the next game they have planned for is. Let's wrap up the podcast with one more segment, and I'm going to steal this from the Triple Dream podcast. Shout out to Neil and Neil's dad. They posed a question, what would be your top five favorite music pins or musical acts that have yet to be made into a game? All right, real fast, here they are in no particular order. I'm thinking Weird Al, Joan Jett, Linkin Park, Styx, and Motley Crue. With Weird Al, I feel this demographic would be young and old alike. He has 40 years of music to choose from, and who doesn't like Weird Al? He who's tired of Weird Al is tired of life. I'm going to say one of my favorite Weird Al songs is All About the Pentiums from the 1999 album Running With Scissors. All right, Joan Jett. Joan Jett hits all the pinball demographics. She's popular in the 80s and upbeat, fast pinball music. Off the top of my head here, one of my favorite Joan Jett songs is Bad Reputation. Moving on to Linkin Park, the, the music of my teenage years. Their debut album, Hybrid Theory, is the best-selling album of the 21st century with over 27 million copies sold. Not quite hitting the target pinball demo age, I feel Linkin Park might bring younger people into the hobby. A favorite song of mine is War. Next up on my list is Styx. Styx has been popular through the 70s and 80s, and I feel like their sound really changed depending on which decade of music you're listening to. I think this hits the pinball demographic right square on the bullseye. One of my favorite Styx songs, Lorelei. And finally, another 80s staple, Motley Crue. Motley Crue was a huge success in the 80s with their high-energy music, making it a perfect match for pinball. One of my all-time favorites is Dr. Feelgood. there you have it there's five bands i think that could make great pinball machines what do you guys think better than the foo fighters right <laughs> oh that sound means we're out of time once again i'd like to remind everyone to vote totally pinball for the best pinball podcast and i wish everyone safe travels with their holiday plans this year and as always remember to play more pinball and you stay classy pinside i'm johnny pinball this has been the totally pinball podcast
Fighters. It's Foo Fighters. I mean, come on, really? Foo Fighters?